Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Friday, February the 9th. And today we're going to touch base once again with our good friend, uh, George Rodriguez, uh, down in South Texas. George, how are you? Doing real good. It's a pretty day. It was a pretty day today. We had, uh, uh, it was kind of cloudy, but it was very, very spring-like. Well, George, let me ask you a question. What were you doing 60 years ago tonight? 60 years ago tonight. Let me think. Does the name Ed Sullivan and the Beatles ring a bell? Oh, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it, I was in I was still in Cuba when that happened, so I don't remember it up here. My That's, parents, I remember the 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 look on my parents <laughs> watching it. Um, yeah. It was um I mean, I look back on it and it was it was one of those moments where you just where time froze, it seems like. I remember everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a, uh, to, say the, to say the least, historic, as they like to say. And when you, when you go back and you look at some of the numbers, 73 million people tuned in. Now, that is mind-boggling. It was. I mean, that would be 73 million people today would be a huge audience. I mean, huge audience. And yet, this was uh, 60 years ago, and I wonder what was on the other, because at, at, at that back then, you basically had three networks. Yeah, right. And maybe an independent. So you had usually, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, and an independent. PBS was not even around then. No. So it was just, uh, I don't know, it, was, it, it must have been wild, that's all I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, I was 10 years old, but I remember, <laughs> I remember it very, very well. Yeah, and, well, uh, yeah, the, you know, the, the look on, on my parents' face when, uh, you know, the, the Beatles came out and, and performed She Loves You, and, uh, you know, it was incredible. Well, I, what's interesting, the other day I was, I was reading a, uh, a story that six months before, in September of 1963, George Harrison came to visit uh, a cousin or an aunt that he had in the United States. And he was like a tourist, you know, just going around with his family, you know, taking photos and like any other tourist. And nobody had a clue this guy was. Yeah. You know, he was a completely unknown. That would not work. That would not happen for another 10 years after that. Yeah. Uh, until John Lennon moved alone, uh, moved with Yoko back to uh, New York. Yeah. And right. then he, he was left alone for a long, for, for quite a while there. Right. Yeah. But it just, it's just amazing how in their lives, you know, changed so rapidly. Oh, I mean, gosh, almost yeah. like, like the guys, I mean, it's almost like winning the, the $200 million lottery or something. Your life is turned upside down so fast. But anyway, 60 years ago tonight, the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, um, there's only two Beatles left now, Paul and Ringo. Yep. And uh, of course, you know, it's amazing. I was 80 years old. I know, I know. Old timers like you and me can still relate to it. Yeah. But, you know, there's a, a whole generation of people who have no clue. All right. Well, let's get into some of the serious business, and nothing can get more serious than the presidency of the United States. Uh, George, you know as well as I do that the president is the one man who can get a three o'clock phone call. Uh, three o'clock in the morning. Phone in call. the morning, yeah, uh, and you know, with uh, the Secretary of Defense on the line saying, "Mr. President, 
Sorry to wake you up, but uh, radars have detected nuclear missiles coming to the United States, and they sh they could be hitting uh, the West Coast uh, in the next 30 minutes. Anyway, I'm dramatizing it a bit, but to make the point that we always need a president who's awake and lucid. And I don't think we have that right now, George. And this came out in the weirdest of way. Who would have who would have suspected that this would have come out in the in this special counsel report? I mean, I it was news. I mean, people like you and me, maybe others, we have suspected that there's something wrong with President Biden. He doesn't look real good. He looks shaky. He's talking about this or this or this or that. But who would have thought that, you know, what could potentially be the nail in, in his political coffin would come from a special counsel report, George? Yeah, well, you know, to be honest with you, I think it's, it's poetic justice. Uh, but at the same time, uh, he reinforced it himself uh, at the end of, the, uh, of, his, uh, uh, of his defense press conference yesterday. Uh, you know, he challenged the reporters and said that he was uh, very competent, that he was uh, very lucid, that he had accomplished this and this and this and this in his presidency. And as he was stepping away, um, somebody asked him ab about um, Gaza and he had to stand, come back. He had to come back and speak. And he made the comment that he had been speaking to the president of Mexico about Gaza. And, you know, you just kind of go, well, there it is. There you it go. Went, it kind of went downhill after that. Right there. Even further downhill than it had before. Exactly. It, he confirmed in front of everybody right there. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because I have felt, I felt this way back in 2020. If you remember during the primary back in 2020, that the Democrats went out of their way to get that primary done as quickly as possible. Correct. They did not want Biden doing a lot of debates. They basically wanted him hiding in the House during the, during the summer and during the campaign. And many, you know, many people like me were a little skeptical saying, hey, you know, isn't this guy ever going to campaign? They blamed it on COVID. Uh, they selected what's, what writers he could talk to or what reporters he could talk to. And then during his entire presidency, he hasn't done press conferences. No. I mean, it's been an absolute joke. And I always felt that that was the problem. They didn't want him in front of a microphone, George. That's exactly right. I mean, the fact of the matter that everybody knew in Washington, Washington ins insiders, people that have dealt with him, including myself, is that he was not very smart. You know, uh, I was an intern in 1975 when he was uh, a freshman in the Senate. And he had been caught red-handed, uh, plagiarizing and lying. Uh, he had claimed back in those days that he had finished um, uh, third, I believe, in his uh, college, in in his um, law class, and they had misproved. They had proven that that was incorrect. They had they had proven that he had lied. Uh, later on, they had proved that that uh, he had plagiarized in uh, in in uh, several of his speeches. Um, you know, in one of the presidential campaigns, remember he had to yes. pull out. Yeah, I think it was in '88. He had to pull out because well, people already knew they got him. Yeah, people already knew that he, you know, what kind of a clown he was. Right, and still, uh, he was nominated as the Democrat uh, 
presidential candidate. So this whole idea that he was not uh, allowed to debate, that he was not allow allowed out of his basement, I think it it was very purposeful. I think it was done uh, in a deliberate manner, and uh, it makes me wonder who is uh, manipulating the, the Democratic right. Party. Absolutely, somebody is running the show. You you don't you don't get the feeling that it's him. Somebody's running the show, and uh, and of course you know that's unconstitutional because it should be the president who who is making decisions like you know whether or not to retaliate militarily. But it is really something else too, uh, George. There's a real irony to this document issue. And the irony is that the only reason we found out that he had documents is because they went into Donald Trump's home. <laughs> and it, it's a fascinating yeah. story. Because poetic they, justice, poetic justice. Yeah. They went into Donald Trump's home and, you know, they, they, they took the documents from his home and all of that. And then inside the bureaucracy, somebody leaked that, that Joe Biden had documents. And then putting the attorney general in this incredible situation where he had to, to, to nominate a special counsel, obviously. And then the special counsel comes out and basically says he's guilty, but I don't think he can, you know, I don't think I can put this man in front of a jury. Um, I mean, that's pretty incredible, George. The, you know, the whole, the whole situation with the, uh, with how it's described uh, really, really makes you wonder uh, you know, uh, why this man is sitting where he's sitting right now, why, they, why he is sitting in the presidential office. The other uh, uh, situation here is the heat today that has been unleashed on Merrick, on the attorney general. Uh, he is being blamed for this whole episode. I mean, it, it's amazing to me how the, um, uh, how the Democrats always deflect the blame in some form or fashion uh, instead of recognizing it and, and, and dealing with it. Here we've got a situation, Merrick didn't do anything other than do what he was supposed to do. And the fact that uh, that uh, Biden is described accurately in the, in, in the uh, report, I mean, whose fault is that? Well, some Republicans are already calling for the attorney general to, uh, to either charge him or or resign, I guess. Exactly. And they're they're wanting to to use the uh, the constitutional article that he's incapable. Right. That the twenty fifth amendment. Yeah. That that's what they want to use. But a lot of people are saying, you know, we don't. You know, you don't get to commit a crime, and then the, and then the prosecutor away. says, "Well, you're you're too old you're to go in old. front of the jury." Yeah. Exactly. I mean, look, I think we're all human beings, and. And I actually think Robert Hurd I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that argument next time um, a police officer tries to give me a ticket. Yes. Yeah, the next time you get a ticket, try to use that one. Yeah, I'm going to say, no, you can't give me a ticket. I'm too old. But I will tell you, I will tell you that I, I think Robert Hurd is right. I think if they put him in front of a jury. Oh, gosh, it would he be a might very, Yeah, he, he might he might be a, a disaster. Oh, because put him in front of a and put him, put him in, in a debate with with uh, with Trump. Yeah, well, he won't get there. Thing. Yeah, he he's not going to get to that. But of course, it raises all kinds of questions as to whether or not he's going to be the nominee. I didn't think he was before. No, at this point, at this point, there 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 has to be some serious questions. Yes, and, whoever is uh, running the show has got to have serious questions about having keeping Biden. Right. No, I think you're right. 
thing that the Democrats are going to have to do is they're going to have to have a very serious discussion <laughs> about about Trump derangement syndrome. Yep. Because what we just saw with the Colorado and and you know charging Trump with insurrection when he's never been accused of it or convicted of it, uh, you know, if if you heard any of the of the presentation before the Supreme Court. I mean, the Supreme Court was all over the, the the fellow from Colorado who was making their case. And I think that, you know, maybe, maybe the Democrats need to sit back a little bit. And, they need and, to behave and, like children. They need to stop behaving like children. They need to yeah. stop thinking like children. They need to stop arguing like children. Well, I was going to make a suggestion. I don't know if that's possible, though. Well, no, I think you're right. I think that's going to be hard for many of them. But I was going to make a suggestion, George. See what you think of this. I was going to make a suggestion that the Democrats ought to go to the internet and look for a witch doctor <laughs> and then go to the witch doctor and say, please get Trump out of my head. Un curandero. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Because the, the reality is that if you look at... They, at, could, be, at, they could get a, a little broom and be swept. That's right. But if, if you look at Trump's political comeback, you know, which is it basically started the day they sent the FBI to his home. I mean, if you look at the graph of his polling data, I mean, he was like in, in early August before the early August 2022, before they sent the, you know, the FBI into it was basically, you know, we weren't really sure if he was going to be the nominee. I wasn't, to be honest with you. But then it seems like the more they went after him, the more he started to consolidate. Yeah. And now I think he's going to have a huge I think the next couple of weeks, his polls are going to go way up. I really believe that. I I, I really do believe, uh, Silvio, that any attempts to prevent uh, Trump from running at this point, whether it's by the Republicans or particularly by the Democrats, to prevent him from running, from being on the ticket, any attempt is going to be met with uh, with great political resistance, and it's going to create a constitutional crisis. I do. I think you're exactly right. And none other than Robert Kennedy agrees with you because they're trying to squeeze him out of many of these uh, state uh, ballots. You know, Kennedy, uh, if you look at the numbers, George, Kennedy is right now, I, I mean, I'm not going to support Kennedy, but I'm just looking at the numbers. He's anywhere from 10 to 15% in most of these public opinion polls. And if you Take that. Let's say he's 10 to 15% in every state. What that means that is any state that, that let's say, went for Biden, let's say Virginia, uh, a state like that, Trump could actually win that state with a plurality now. Yep. Yep. Yes. Something that, you know, he was. So it, it, it is interesting. And I think I, I get the funny feeling that Robert Kennedy wants a little vengeance because they've been very bad to him. They no, really Mr. Have. Manchin is also. Uh... You know, he's still not out of the picture completely. So that's another one. Right. That's another name that, uh, so it's going to be fascinating. Well, let's get into some of the other topics. Uh, uh, the primary is coming up uh, in, in about a month or so, the Texas primary. And I don't think there's going to be any big surprises. I don't know if you see any that, that uh, certainly around here, I don't see any big surprises. But I do think the one to keep an eye on is the, the Democrat for the Senate between Allred and Gutierrez, uh, Allred will win the plurality, but if Gutierrez can force him into a, a runoff, 
that he's going to force Allred to go way to the left in order to to win that second contest, uh, George. The you know the across the board in every race across the country, the Democrats have the same problem. The problem being that they have moved so far to the left that they have left uh, traditional Democrats and they've created themselves a. That in my opinion, they painted themselves to, into a corner. Here we've got uh, the reddest state in the union, and we've got uh, Democrats trying to run to the middle and having a hard time because their base, uh, or should I say, their activists, uh, are the ones that are pushing them further and further to the to the left. And it's going to be. I mean, it, it, the, this situation uh, of of uh, Colin Allred trying to run in the middle, uh, run as a moderate, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. I really am not, because uh, if he wants to win, and he wants to win decisively and quickly, um, he's going to need to run uh, further to the left. Mm -hmm. But if he runs further to the left, he's going to turn off uh, people that... Um, you know, people that that are uh, thinking of voting Democrat uh, in some form or fashion, moderate Democrats. Uh, uh, this whole situation with with uh, uh, diversity, inclusion, and and equity. This whole situation with the wide open border and what it's created. This whole situation with inflation, uh, the Green Plan. Uh, all of these things have not played well in, in Texas. Uh, yet they are the fundamental uh, planks of the Democratic Party. So it's going to be very, very interesting how Colin Allred can manage that. Yeah, because Colin Allred, want, you're exactly right. He wants to run a moderate campaign. He wants to say, you know, I'm this moderate Democrat. Now, I think Ted Cruz is going to, is going to have a lot of fun with that because Ted Cruz will remind uh, the voters that if you put Nancy Pelosi's voting record on the screen and then put Colin Allred's and there's not a lot of difference but but there's no question that he's going to try to run in the middle but Gutierrez is going to push him to the left oh Gutierrez Gutierrez wants to be the radical yes he wants uh he wants the California money he wants to uh he wants to uh get the New York money uh, he wants to be seen as the uh, as the liberal of the liberals in Texas, right? And um, number one, that's not going to help him, no, uh, particularly. But it, but secondly, it's certainly not going to help his party. No, you're right. You're right, and that's and that's uh, Allred's dilemma. He's if he doesn't get fifty percent, he's going to have to fight it out with Gutierrez, and Gutierrez will push him to to the left. Well, another thing in, in the primary is that uh, the governor is taking a very active role in this primary. He's he's going after, yes. he's really focusing on Republicans who didn't vote for choice. Do you think that's going to be successful? Oh, definitely. Uh, he was here in town. Uh, two things that are going for the governor. He was here in town today and I attended a, a rally. Um, I have seen the governor uh, speak before and speak very forcefully. But today was beyond was beyond anything that I have seen in the past. He was great. He was articulate. He was animated. He was excited. He was fantastic. And um, the uh, person that he's campaigning against 
uh, is a House Republican, uh, one of the House Republicans that opposed uh, vouchers. And um, he's he came after him really, really strong on that issue, made some very compelling arguments, uh, was very, very logical. But then on top of that, he's got also uh, this whole border issue going for him. I mean, he is looking tremendous with all of these, uh, with 25 states, all of a sudden backing Texas against Biden. He is looking like the leader of the pack. Well, he is right. the leader of the pack. And well, that that really helps helps him to attract these votes. Absolutely. I mean, he's he's the other day I saw a national reporter on Fox News Sunday. There was an, one of the national reporters in one of their panels. The national reporter said that he thought that uh, Greg Abbott was the most influential Republican in the country right now. I, I you know, he certainly looked the part today. He yes, now, did. of course, you know, second to Donald Trump, obviously, Donald Trump would be would be number one. But it even it. Well, let me let me argue this point. Let yeah. me argue this point that Donald Trump is number one with his Trumpers and the uh, and, and with folks uh, who are ardent anti uh, Biden people. You've got with with with. Uh, uh, Governor Abbott, you've got not only the ardent Trumpers, the anti-Biden people, but you've got moderates who see him as a leader, who see him doing what is logical, uh, defending the state against illegal immigration. I so, agree. Uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, you know, right on the national scale, maybe, you know, and I would even think I'm thinking twice about that, but on a national scale, uh, Trump, yeah, he's de definitely rolling along. But um, in Texas, definitely, Greg Abbott is rolling. I mean, well, and Abbott has become, you're right. Abbott has become the face of the number one issue at the moment, which is the border. I mean, he is the the face of that issue, of, of the, the opposition to the crazy border. Yeah. And I told a friend of mine the other day, you know, I said, you know, if, and again, I'm not hoping for anything bad, but let's say for whatever reason, Trump doesn't get to the convention. And I'm not talking about these legal problems. Greg I'm just be. saying th these things happen. Yeah, you know he is 78 well, I'm years also, old. I'm also thinking that that uh, Abbott would be a marvelous uh, VP. Well, that's marvelous. that's the other thing too that he may very well be just the perfect fit to uh, consolidate uh, the ticket. But you know, if you just think about Abbott, he one point you made is that nobody really dislikes him. I mean, I know the crazies do, but I'm just saying. The middle of the country doesn't uh, doesn't. I mean, he he appeals to moderates. He does well with women. He is one of those. He you is know, very photogenic. Very photogenic, and he's got a great story, got a great wife, and all of that kind of stuff. And and I I just think that you know if we got if we get to the convention, I I can see you're right. He could very well be uh, a vice president because he is the face of the number one issue in the country right now. That's right. I mean, look what's happening again, in, you in have New a, York. You would have a New Yorker and you would have a Texan. Yeah, that, that would be a good fit. That would be a good well, Floridian, fit. Floridian, I guess you could say, call him. Well, call I him guess that. legally a Floridian of birth, a New Yorker, yeah. But no, I think that he has really grown and, and he seems to be sticking very tough at the border. Now, of course, I guess it depends what the Supreme Court does. We're still waiting for an opinion.
Well, I you on, know on some I, of the again, issues, but I think between him and Paxton, they have vetted this issue very very well, and I think that they they are on very solid ground. Their argument is is, is strictly that Biden is not doing his job, period, and um, so the state has to step up, and I, I think that's it's very difficult to to uh, not uh, argue or see what is happening. Well, and let's you ask, and I may be ask the mayor of New York. That's right. You and I may be talking about the same speech, but I saw something he said today where he argued exactly that. He went he he pointed out two things that the federal government was not doing. That's right. Um uh, on illegal immigration. He's right. you know, so it's not That's like it. it's not like he's saying, you know, Texas wants to take over the border. Exactly. What he's saying is Texas has no choice but to defend itself. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's a worth. I mean, to me, that's an argument <laughs> and that the court will hear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but if you go down to uh, down the street here from my house to the migrant center, very difficult not to see that. Plus, the fact that now we've got a report from our local police and uh, and um, uh, the um, DEA that uh, Venezuelan gangs are beginning to operate. Yeah. Uh, you know, those things are not good. I, I, I've got a um, um, a reporter uh, from New York that's going to be on my show this Saturday. And uh, she uh, rides the subway and she is seeing things on the subway that you had never seen. Little right. kids begging, uh, people sitting uh, on the ground uh, on the entryways uh, of the uh, of the subway uh, begging for money. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, things that that, uh, you know, you would see mentally ill homeless folks kind of just wandering around. Uh, you would see people uh, playing guitars on the subways, but nothing like, like what you're seeing now is, uh, you know, it's becoming third world. Right. No, it is. And, and think of what we're doing uh, just to these people. We bring them in without any kind of a plan. Exactly. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons we have a process to come in is because when people come in legally, then they can work right away. Exactly. And they can integrate themselves right away. Like I've mentioned before, the case of my father, my father could work right away. And, and that's what you want. You want people to come in legally so that they can work right away. And within 30 days, they can be self-reliant. But the, these poor people, they're living in migrant centers. What are they going to do? No, I mean, no. and, we're seeing, and we're seeing, you know, we're seeing the homelessness Yes. and the crime now that's right and 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 you look at and you look at all of this and you ask yourself what if these people get sick uh, where are they going to go what hospital what are they going to about well what yeah so so this, this whole thing i mean this this entire border policy i think has a lot to do with uh my next point uh, our last point tonight and that is gallup is reporting some, you know, that the Democrats are, are losing some of the of the Hispanic and African-American vote. And I think in both cases, it has to do with the economy. And I think the border, because the border is hitting these African-American districts hard. They're not happy. They shouldn't be happy. In Chicago, they're, they're shutting down facilities and and, and putting migrants in some of these facilities. And again, I don't understand. I've never been able to understand. What is humanitarian about what we're doing, George? <laughs> well, that's that's a good question. I mean, I uh, 
it, again, it uh, it was opened up. There was no plan. And, and, and again, we have to ask ourselves, was this deliberate to begin with? You know, because um, it, it's very difficult to say, well, it just happened. No, they came in and they removed everything that Trump had put in, which was working. And here we are now with millions of people uh, in the in the country uh, and, and we don't know what to do with them. Right. And it's not working. Whatever they're doing is not working because, uh, like you say, we know we just brought in these people without a plan. Uh, and I mean, there's a reason there's a reason that people, you know, there's a reason that people have to wait in a line in a list to come into the country. Correct. Because, you know, they go through a process and then when they're ready, they come in. Yeah. But when they now, come in, they are ready to work. They are ready to go into our, our communities. And it's an orderly process. And this has been the exact opposite of that. Well, George, I got to no. ask you the biggest question of the week. This is the uh, one for the history books. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Taylor Swift. I knew you were going to ask that. I think yes. Taylor Swift is going to win. Well, I speaking of the beat, if I may Taylor go Swift back. Taylor going to pull in tons of folks to watch the Super Bowl. Well, you know, there's somebody saying that Taylor Swift is the Yoko Ono of the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> now, that's that's very unfair on poor Taylor. But, only we uh, would understand. Only you and I, yes. you know, our age would understand that. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but but I I think San Francisco is going to win. Uh, I don't really have a favorite. In other words, I I don't you know without the Cowboys or some of our favorite teams in there. This is I just want to watch a good game. That's all I want to watch. But I, I think San Francisco is going to win. Uh, but on the other hand, Kansas City has got a heck of a record, too. So could go either way. But let's you know, go with that. Because I don't have a favorite in it. Yes. Right now, I think I'm going to enjoy it much more. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you 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 know, if if somebody fumbles in the fourth quarter, <laughs> right, if somebody fumbles in the fourth quarter, at least it won't bother you as much as as if the Cowboys were in it. But exactly. But again, thank you so much, George. As always, thank you for uh, the information. And I guess you'll have a pretty good show tomorrow. And yep. you'll you'll be posting that, right? You'll be posting I will, that. I will be so posting. that uh, we can we can listen Facebook, to it. Facebook on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and on uh, Twitter, folks can just check out El Conservador show uh, for uh, Saturday the the tenth, and they can listen to it. All right. Well, good luck with that, and thank you as always for uh, for being a part of our show. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, our good friend Rodriguez from South Texas, just going over some of these, uh, the situation with President Biden and this thing with his memory and all of that. Very bad situation. Again, as I mentioned to, to George, this is the one man in our system who's going to get that phone call. And, you know, he's got to be ready mentally and physically and I'm afraid he's not. And, you know, and I just want to say one thing. It doesn't give me any pleasure to say that because we're talking about the president of the United States here. So, you know, I know that there's politics and people take shots and all of that. But I've always felt that we need to have a president who's at least physically and mentally able to deal with that one moment when he has to make that very tough call. And I don't feel that way now. I don't. I, I think this is a man who... And, and we saw a little bit of that in that press conference uh, Thursday night where this is a man who is, I think, having issues, as they like to say. And I, I think he would be better off um, maybe not resigning, uh, but at least announcing that he's not running 
and he's just going to sit back and and try to do the best he can for the rest of his term and and get out of the politics and get out of the heat and let uh, let the party nominate somebody else. I think that would be better, frankly, for the country and for him, too. I, I sometimes worry about, you know, a man at that age with all those issues and all the pressure he's under. I mean, he looked awfully angry last night, and that's, that's not good for his health. I just don't see how how it can be. So we, we hope for a, a good resolution to this. Uh, and again, it's about the country. That's what uh, motivates me to, to say these things. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Thanks to George. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.